down, down. Okay, look at this youngish man. Already halfway off with his pants. He's doing something weird with his hands. He's got a multitude of outrageous plans. And he's still trying to cough up. That what you choked on in the churches. Look at him out running and running up a vacant storefront. Building envy deck. An army surplus. Why start giving a shit? When everybody telling you it's full of it. And then he gets suppressed. Obsessed and depressed, and which one came first in this crazy mess, and then he's taking too much, or not enough, and which one is the worst one with this sort of stuff, and he's so in thought of being ignored, but that's when being ignored. But I know it's nothing more than just being bored. I know it's a lot more than just being bored. Hi, guys. My phone died yesterday. I didn't think I'd be able to stream. It wasn't charging. It wouldn't take a charge. But today I put it in. I said my prayers and it worked. So I'm able to bring myself to you once again. Uh, how is everyone doing? I guess I want to say today RIP to David Graeber who died in Venice, I guess. Jesus, people are dropping, man. Uh, and it's a lot of good people, and of course, none of the bad. Um, and I just want to say that, like, I didn't really know him. I never really interacted with him. I know he had a prickly reputation online and being a guy who argued a lot. But, uh, but and of course, I didn't agree with him on everything because he's an anarchist. But I, th I did read Debt, and I thought Debt was in aggregate great. You can quibble all you want with some of the historical stuff, but... Because, uh, you know, he's not a historian, he's an anthropologist. But the anthropological work is really, really important because I think the central, the central element of, uh, of debt that I carry with me the most is his annihilation of the presiding myth of the rise of, uh, of currency, of money, the rise of, of, of like, uh, denominated debt uh, in social, through, into society. And the Adam Smith neoliberal uh, you know, standard model that we all absorb at the level of a fucking DNA by the time we're two, uh, says that that arose because you had uh, a situation where once societies got bigger, once social orders became larger, you had a situation where some people had stuff that other people needed, had more stuff than they needed, and there were other people who had stuff that they needed. Was it uh, coinc coinciding uh, deficiencies or something? I don't remember. But... It was a way to represent exchange that had previously been barter because that's how you do it if you have like a low level of social uh, complication is I have five chickens, that equals three goats or something. And that money came to represent that exchange. And I think Graeber pretty ably dismantles that and says that is a, that's a fiction. That is, that is a story that they tell themselves. I mean, it's as, much of a, it's as much a fiction as like the Garden of Eden. It's like a parable that they made up to justify their ideology, their like religious, uh, their religious faith, which is capitalism. Capitalism is in their minds where religion is. In had been in previous generations, and it is in most of ours. We have replaced God with capital in one way or another, and that's what they worship. And the story, the 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 the, the uh, Adam and Eve story, of uh, of that faith is, I got all these chickens, but no. Uh, goats and I got all these goats but no chickens 
It's not true at all. Gaber points out, at, uh, pretty ably shows, that uh, in tribal social orders, uh, if there is an incongruity of, of resources, like somebody has stuff that other people don't, they don't need a medium of they don't need a neutral medium of exchange or even an exchange of any kind. There is a social obligation understanding that is beyond the level of the transaction, that is beyond the level of individual acts, because labor hasn't been alienated. Labor is done for oneself and for others in equal amount, which means there's no alienation. Alienation is when you are doing less for you and more for someone else. Someone else, and it's usually owners or slave drivers, or someone other than you. Uh, that's when people become separate from one another. That's when social obligations dissolve in the face of pain, in the face of the desire for people to gain some sort of, some sort of opiate, some sort of salve for the wounds of having their labor alienated. And, uh, and that's where you need to have a market transaction to exchange. Because what's in it for me becomes the only question. And so you have to have a neutral exchange. You can't have barter. You go straight to representation because representation is all we have. We have to representation, a social obligation that's been lost because of alienation. If you don't have that alienation, that social alienation, uh, resource distribution is handled by ritualized, uh, uh, a, a almost biologically uh, frictionless act of equalization, the way that like a cell will equalize across its own membranes in order to maintain integrity. And like the actual ritual mechanisms of those are different from society to society, but a lot of them are represented by things like the potlatch, which is the origin of our concept of a potluck, which is a ritual of, 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 of the, ex the distribution and annihilation of, of surplus so that it doesn't build up, because it can only build up if it's not being evenly distributed. And so all this stuff, the homo economicus view of humans as rational economic seekers, that's all, the, the, that is a myth, that's a religious tradition. And it has a founding, it has a founding mythology, it has, it has its own Olympian tragedy, its own Olympian tales and epic sagas, and, and birthing scenes and primal scenes. And one of them is that first time that somebody needed to give a, a goat for a chicken. But if they knew each other, why would they have to have that exchange? One thing that Graeber points out really eloquently is that in, in traditional societies, it's actually rude to repay someone's debt entirely. Every exchange should leave a little remainder because that implies that there will be a continuing obligation between you. Paying off a debt is closing that door and saying, you are a stranger to me. And how could we have started like that? How could any civilization have existed for a fucking any viable amount of time if we really started off treating each other that way, it's impossible. The only thing you can argue is that the, uh, that, that the only way to uh, create the complex nodes that allow us to have a technological society that allow us to do things like have language or dang iPhones or longer lifespans that are less animalistic, that allow us to develop culture, to allow us to create things that give us the chance to reflect on ourselves and make ourselves aware of our moment and our place in time and, and space and our relationship to other people in a way that, that we can't do even within the tribal society because then there is an outside to fear always. Can we not find that? And they say we get that way by, by having a market, by, by the engine of capitalism. And that's what builds this. And that's what we get to live in.
Uh, no, that's not true at all. Capitalism is the last manifestation of different regimes of resource extraction that come about because you have this undistributed sense of social solidarity. People don't see other people as themselves. So they have to find out what to think they are. And that can only be achieved through continued conflict, by continued interaction, and by continued domination of one over the other. Because if they are not you, you can do what you want to them. If you want it bad enough. And people wanted things like the pyramids bad enough. And they wanted a southern cotton to be a profitable world market commodity enough. The English wanted tea enough from the Indians. And so they build this market to satisfy. And that's the last representation. You have to build a market after you've destroyed social bonds through exploitation. If you can't exploit people anymore, if the religious... If the religious um, world that you have been able to exploit from the top to maintain social cohesion and social uh, accedence to power, if that wears away, which it will over time as, 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 as uh, social bonds are slowly and steadily and always pushed away from one another by accumulated uh, trauma of class conflict, you will eventually snap the social bonds entirely and you have to replace them with something and you replace them with the liberal sense of self. We are individuals, we are equal, which means we can't just dominate and take from each other. We have to negotiate across that equal plane, but we are different and distinct and separate and always will be. And so the only way that we can organize a social intercourse is through a neutral medium of exchange. And that's true if you think that is immutable, if you think that's the only way we can, we can relate to one another. And I don't think so. I think there's another turn of the screw. I think there's a turn of the screw where we are able to master enough uh, the, the technology that we have at our disposal to connect, uh, and we utilize that to bring about through time. It wouldn't be easy. It wouldn't take, it would be, none of us will see it. No one's children will see it. It might not be us. It might be fucking cephalopods. But there will be a big enough movement of working class people whose experience of exploitation has bent them towards the same vision of justice, broadly enough to allow them to, continue to fight on the same side. And in so doing, overthrow the regime of exploitation, the world system that is, rep that is con currently controlled by, by the ruling class. And I know that these are all slippery terms and that in the heat of the battle they will break one way or the other, but that's what history is for, to, to grind that fucking pestle into that uh, mortar. And, and we see the results, the fucking, the, the kernels spilling forth. And I think that through that process we can gain social awareness that is as powerful a self-regulator of behavior as tribal intimacy, but in a context of total uh, technological uh, uh, control of nature. Meaning that we would no longer destroy and defile nature, we would enter self-aware homeostasis with nature. And then the work of history, the real work of history could begin. The work of the human race as a conscious consciousness could begin. People have uh, dinged me for saying that the dialect ends with the end of capitalism. If I got that, if I said that, I, I, I'm wrong. I didn't mean that. What I meant was is that the process of class conflict resolves. And that level of uh, dialectical uh, exchange is abolished over time. But that doesn't mean the dialectic ends. That's how we are going to figure out what to do once we think we realize we're a, we're, we're a social organ. 
and we have the ability to communicate off the, across the, the whole of, of the planet through, through the technology that we've acquired. And we were able to distribute the labor inputs necessary to maintain the system as evenly as possible. So they fall as lightly on the shoulders of as many as possible. Then we will, we will have to, to manage this system, this steady state system, and, extend, and, and create things to do with it. What are we going to do with these powers? That's, that's, but that process will also be a dialectical a resolution. It will just not be through conflict. It will not be through social violence because it will be one organism. But it's still a dialectical process. And that's when we begin to make history. We are able to make history. And the only way a human really could as part of one species. Because individually we fight against one another. We clam and bat, and so much of our pot potential is wasted and annihilated in these matter-antimatter conflicts because we do not see the whole for the sum of its parts. Whew. Did that make sense? Anyway. R.I.P. David Graeber and his book Debt deals very, very uh, skillfully and persuasively on that topic. Uh, uh, people keep... Uh, People keep asking me to engage Sterner more because they say that, that actually he, I did, don't disagree with it. And honestly, it's like, well, if Sterner is what I think it is, and I don't like it. But if Sterner is what you're insisting it is, then I like it, and I guess I don't know why i got to read it. It's not like I can pass a verdict on Max Sterner one way or the other. He is beyond my ability to judge or control. I certainly can't influence even his reputation. Oh, what have I been grilling? Uh, I grilled a few things. I grilled some bergs recently. Uh, did some elotes. Got those charred up uh, corn. Corn's finally good. August, you get the night. August, early September, the corn's big. Earlier this, when I started grilling the summer, corn was mad tiny. Now, got some thick corn. I'm hoping to do Beyond Burgers this weekend. Gonna have a small, friendly get-together and have... And not uh, the patties. Someone told me that the best beyond thing is the ground meat, like the ground beef. So I'm going to pack up some bergs, throw them on the grill. That's the plan. Maybe do some seafood if I can find anything good. If Sterner, I, if Sterner makes people anprim, then, then I'm afraid everything I think of him is correct. Because, of course, anprim, if you're abolishing all these structures, these spooks because nothing can be trusted with the ego, you are ignoring the central truth that the ego has to be annihilated through cooperation. Because we can only get to the answer to these questions by resolving them amongst ourselves. There's no one else to answer to. There's no one else to, to, that's going to have answers but us. Everything in the book is dead. Everything in it, written in a book is dead. But if the person's not here, it's all dead because we're just reckoning with the shadow of those ideas that we have to deal with because it emanates from the culture we, we absorb them into. So we're already dealing with shadows. 
So we cannot get it from a book. We cannot get it from anyone else in, ag in singularity. We have to get it from an aggregate. We have to get, it, we have to to, to get the thread of, 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 uh, of harmony through a, through a crescendo of, of, of clashing notes. And we need structures to accommodate that, which means, I'm sorry, we cannot bust all the ghosts. We have to use the ghosts to our uh, control so that we can abolish, finally, our own ghost, the only ghost worth busting, the ego. Mankind is so smart and stupid at the same time because we can never know what we don't know. It's frustrating to me that the Dunning-Kruger effect gets thrown around by Redditors so much as like one of those dumb th things that's, that dumb guys can say that sound smart. Oh, cl uh, classic Dunning-Kruger effect. Because I think that, and I think that's because people don't really grasp what it means. They think, oh yeah, those guys, they got that Dunning-Kruger effect. They don't realize that it is universally applicable, that no one, by definition, can be exempt from it. Everyone doesn't know what they don't know. But somebody else might. And if you stack enough of them along the right questions by facilitating social interaction, by allowing people to, to collaborate, which cannot happen in a capitalist framework, that is zero sum, especially now. They might say it's not, but they're lying. Someone's labor is being extracted for someone else's benefit. And even if somebody gets to use somebody else's labor because they were able to buy like a cheap product on the market and they contributed to an exploitation, they are still also being exploited. There's, there's wrong everywhere. They all reflect off of each other and, 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 and echo out until they create a social order that is, becomes more and more frayed and threadbare and unviable. So the Dunning-Kruger effect is universal. No man, no woman, no anyone is spared. And the, application, the implication there is clear to me. It means that no political project, no religious project, no human project, no human social project, forget about politics, but also politics, no project of those kind can... Can, and, 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 social, and political project, culminating in a political project, because that is, politics is the culmination of social projects. I would, I, would in, I would not want to be part of anyone, and I would not want to pursue anyone that took as its principle winnowing, reducing to some core group the beneficence of our uh, technological society, because you are dooming yourself. The only hope we have as a fucking race is if the is if the, the 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 aperture of potential human interconnection is as wide as possible. That's our only only hope. Anything less, and we will spin off into into annihilation. Inevitably, we will not manage the the crises of the moment. It will not be an apocalypse. It will be a slow dying of the ember. It'll be heat death until the last campfire winks out, and the people around that campfire. They don't think that they're at a campfire at the end of the world. They think it's Thursday and that they're, they're at the corporate uh, uh, like HR training. They're, they're doing the diversity workshop. 
they're reading white frail to each other around the campfire, and they think it's their job. They don't think it's, it's, it's the nightmare apocalypse that everyone has always been waiting to happen. Because we will normalize ourselves into annihilation, and we will never turn away from self-obliterating hostility to others that will then inevitably destroy us. So it's got to be as big as possible, man. And, and it's like, there's people, and right now one of the really annoying things about, and why the online left is not the left, and it is, it's actually deleterious to the left, is that these arguments I keep talking about, the arguments that, are, that exist just to be had online, it's like there's two things. You have fun having the argument, like, is looting good? Have that argument all day. You have fun having the argument. Uh, but then you also get to split people into good and bad categories. Who's on your side for the revolution? And right now, this fundamental reality, as I keep hammering at, because it's the only thing worth saying to me, is that the left needs to actually consider its non-existence and move from that point. Instead of assuming a structure and a, a center of gravity that would necessitate winnowing towards, like, the reason everyone seems to think we need to, like, know the good from the bad is, like, what if they get in a position of power? They'll never get in a position of power. There is no positions of power to be accrued. And you really are afraid of every, like, 300-follower dipshit that you disagree with on Twitter who's on a fucking subreddit? You really think they're going to climb through the fucking corridors of power like Stalin when we're talking about a glacial process? They need, we need bodies. Warm motherfucking bodies. And everything that is, every minute of energy that is expended divvying people up to, so that they can fill non-existent positions in some future fucking revolutionary vanguard party or, or what, government agency. Like, you're arguing about, who, like, oh, is Dumb Chomsky going to be Secretary of State? I mean, who the fuck? And I mean, and that means, and the thing is, anyone on either side of the questions I'm talking about, will, their spine will stiffen and they say, okay, but if we let anybody in, then I'm going to be kicked out by the other guy. Like, that's the, that's, the democratic, uh, that's the democratic dilemma, right? It's like, I can't let the other guy win an election, because then when he's in power, I, I will just be kicked out of the group. Uh, I, I will be denied my rights, you know, because I'm the one backing down and they're not. And that's kind of what voting is. And that's a trap of all democracies, is that you're saying, I will accede to rule by my enemy, on the idea that they will, if we, if we vote, if I win, I get to be in charge. That's the, that's the thing that makes it possible. Um, and so they worry. They, don't, they won't want to be the first one to back down. And the thing is, someone has to be the first. That's the leap of faith. Someone has to be first. It doesn't have to be one person on one side. It could be multiple people. But it's going to have to be a drawdown. Someone is going to have to risk taking the hit of being the first. They're going to have to believe enough in the project to have that belief in the project make them willing to risk their own personal comfort by getting canceled by their side. They're going to have to do it. And then the thing is, you don't know what happens next. The other side might not back down. It might just, they might use it as a moment to destroy you. And that might happen. You have to take the risk. That's why it requires faith. But if they draw down too, you have a potential to disengage from this stalemate. And you have, someone has to believe enough. And the re reason we're in so much trouble is that nobody believes enough. That's why there's no left. 
At the end of the day, it's because no one believes. And I'm including myself here because what's to believe in? It's, there's nothing. It's a field of pottage. But we have to build faith. We have to build faith in it so that we can care enough about the project, care enough about the vision we have to be willing to sacrifice not just our reputations, but even our safety and lives. And of course, Twitter makes it worse because if the stakes are low, it's easy to step down, right? Like if you're having an argument with a friend, even if you really do disagree, it's easier to step down than between you and a stranger. And then even harder if there's people watching because you're less sure of the other party. You can trust them less. And that's, so if the stakes are higher, it's harder to trust. And if the stakes are always reputations uh, within a, a subgroup, jobs sometimes when you're talking about real significant like uh, brigading attempts and cancelings, livelihoods, like ability to continue. Of course people aren't going to be able to back down. So, the, and people say, well, what's going to happen then? What is the solution? And this is what a part of what is tough for me is I have to be honest and say the solution will come at the precise moment when enough people have had enough of this bullshit to take, to, to either quit caring or recommit themselves and like grind their their ego against the wheatstone of the of their understanding of the crisis we're in and the imperatives of it, all of which is driven by love. Love. We're going to have to fucking love enough. God, I know that sounds incredibly dorky. That is the cringiest thing I've ever said, but motherfucker, it's true. We're going to have to love enough to be willing to take the fucking risk, to, to be willing to do a thing that we don't know is going to work. Because that's the only way we can convince people now to sacrifice, is that it'll do something. Because that's what, then they can satisfy their ego, their libido. The only way they're going to do something that won't work is if they know that in the long run, it's something someone has to do first, even if it isn't going to work. Like John Brown. People fixate on John Brown, but no one can be him, even though that is what we need. He loved so much, John Brown, that the enormity of the crime that he saw in front of him over, overwhelmed his sense of propriety because he didn't, what, he was going to die? What did that mean? What was his life to this? What was his life compared to this? If the, considering how deeply he loved, how much his love, like I've said, is ego directed outward and attached to others and removed from the self. How could he ever value his mortal life for a soul? Because that's what we're talking about, is the fucking human soul. Is the degree to which your love reaches out beyond yourself. And, he had, and, his, and that means it doesn't just reach out. It empties. It empties out. And John Brown, he had enough soul that he, didn't, he wasn't afraid to die. We're afraid to get dragged for an afternoon. And it's not our fault. Our ability to have faith has been ground out of us by the alienating brutality of the lives we've been thrust into. But at some point, we're all going to take enough and, and the old solutions aren't going to work and we're going to have to break through. And I'm saying the, the thing I'm saying is, how do we make this happen? We don't make this happen. It, just, it happens because... People get to the point where nothing else works.
And what I say works, you can keep doing something that doesn't work forever if it's getting you off. And for some people, it'll always get them off. You know the people I'm talking about. Perpetual motion machine people who just live in the internet and they're entirely consumed by the hedonic treadmill of owns and counter owns. And they love it and they're addicted to it. They are the people who would fight you with a fucking fireplace poker if you tried to pull them away from the fucking cave, uh, cave flame shadows. You can't deal with them. I'm saying is that there will be a time when enough people see the failure of what they're doing to help and seeing the things get worse and seeing their lives get worse and seeing the lives of the people they love getting worse and they will react by instead of pulling inward and a lot of people are going to react by pulling inward and saying, well, if this, is, this is the doomsday scenario. I need to hoard as much pleasure for myself as I can. I cannot afford it. I have to do self-care because it's coming to an end. And the thing is, that's the rational response. If we act like libertarians think humans act, that will be where we end up. Crouching into it ourselves and then fighting over the last McNugget in the after spear. But not all of us are going to do that. And the, and the hope is, is that enough of people exist like that who will make that choice at the right moment to start reversing this trend. And I don't know if it'll happen. That's where we get, like, and people say, well, now, where's your dialectic now? Ah, where's your historical materialism now? Man. This is essentially the quantum level of politics. This is the quantum level of history. This is where history happens. This is where events are kindled. Because in every moment, every human being decides to do something. Because they don't know why they're doing anything. And they can make a choice in any moment. And if enough of them decide to do something, it happens. The social existence is predicated on that. You see it working and you keep doing it. But it's harder to see things as society gets more complicated, so you have to create symbolic systems to represent that, to represent the sense of security, the sense that advancing the aims of others advances your aims. But that runs against the current of accumulating social structures requiring labor, and labor being distributed down on the... On the bottom side of the curve towards control over resources, uh, uh, control over symbols, ability to manipulate symbols, the priestly classes. And you can look at the arc of history and after it happens, you can look back and see in perfect amber why everything happened. But in the moment, anything can happen. It really is true. And that's the quantum moment of history and we're living in it. And that is the problem with dialectical materialism is that it eventually runs into a quickness of moment, a hugeness of probabilities that are so much more than can be managed by the, the equipment of human rationality uh, compared to the like shadow fragmented model train version of the past that we look at. Like when we examine the past dialectically and materially, we're looking at a little tiny train set. Like a fucking Lionel guy going around. Even the most dip, even our most, even our most uh, uh, small grained, you know, like social history at the at the ground level, the grassroots, this kind of stuff that they got into at, in like the '90s when history turned away from big questions and towards micro histories. Even if you were able to get that entirely fucking mapped out uh, to the ability that you could as a discipline, you're still talking about a Lionel train. History being lived is being 
strapped to the top of a fucking bullet train going from the Shanghai airport to downtown with a nuclear weapon at the tip. And so we can only just grab on and pray and see what happens. Whew. Once again, I hope that made sense. And somebody says, well, isn't that just accelerationism? Isn't that just quietism? No, sir. It means you got to throw theory away. It means you got to stop arguing these points. It means you have to stop tending time, tending your opinions, your precious little opinions, building your little ship in a bottle of opinions. Oh, look at my little opinion bottle. Oh, it'll go, oh, it'll go across the sea to Thomas More's utopia. You got to smash that motherfucker because it means shit now because the speed and size is too much for you to com comprehend by yourself. We have to get together. We have to bring together these fucking consciousnesses to, to signal boost our ability to examine the moment and coordinate action. That means we have to throw it away. We gotta throw it all away. And I'm not saying do it right now because it's impossible, but you have to smash the idol. You could do it while you're on the toilet, you could do it blow off steam, but you have to throw it down and then you have to ask yourself, with this hole now, with my, my anima hole, my orgon hole, my fucking, my throbbing libido hole, no, empty, what am I going to fill it with? Am I going to convince myself that self-care is revolutionary? Or am I going to try to fill it with action that seems like it's moving me towards something because I can see it with other people? I can compare fucking notes. All this stuff feels like black pill if you have completely consigned the idea that you can derive any soul satisfaction, any tending to the garden of love for others, politically, uh, other than the internet. Or that the internet can provide even a, even a little potted plant. It can't. It's fucking salted earth. And that doesn't mean you can't do it, but it means you have to consign it to the, re to the realm of recreation. And you'll find you can't do it as much because you're not getting the other out of it. You're not getting the sense of, of, of you're, sat, you're not satisfying in some part of your mind the, the, the imperative to try to make things better in the world. You know you're not. You got to just be, man. You got to go out there and you got to fucking try something. And, and now it breaks down again because once again, we've tunneled beyond my sight. We've tunneled to the quantum level, the individual level. I don't know what your life is. I don't know what your capacities are. I don't know what your abilities are. And I don't know what your social situation is. I don't know where you are, uh, what your job is. I don't know what your family situation is. I don't know where you are vis-a-vis -vis capital or, or anything, other questions. You know that. You don't know all about it, but you know more than me, and other people around you know more than me too. And on that quantum question, we can only know by asking. And that's scary, and it potentially makes us have a bad time. And when we're self-directed, when we're ego, ego and indirected, we are only going between good and bad times. We're slaloming between good and bad times. Because all we have are our moments of pleasure. And we know that and they're going away, and, they're on their, and at some point they're gone. It's going out of business sale, being a human at every moment. Your supermarket sweep, every moment of your life as a human, is grabbing as much. Pile it up. People say, why do they need so much? Because they know it's going away. 
And so that goes down to even like a nice afternoon, like posting online versus phone banking. Which one would be more fun in terms of uh, satisfying the, e the libido? Uh, that's an easy fucking question if you can answer falsely to yourself, well, posting's just as good. That's where the self-deception at the heart of, uh, of, of, of sin is. It's not, that's why we're forgiven for sin, because we don't even know we're doing it. Our brain is doing it for us. It's below the level of our understanding. That's why we should be able to forgive ourselves. Not to like people do anything and have people have to show a track record to be trusted because trust has to be reinforced. It can't be stripped out. It's the only way to reinforce the, the, the positive feedback loops that will get someone to this point, that will get enough people, that will kickstart the fucking motor. So, and the thing is, I probably am not going to do that because I can probably convince myself that what I'm doing now matters more than like doing something that is less libidinally satisfying because I've got a brain capable of that. Uh, what's going to bring me down to earth will be my interactions with the world and other people and it will either allow me to sit there or bring me down and I don't know where I will end up because I don't know what the answer is. I can't because I don't know. Only interacting with other people will drag me down. And more, the reason I say that more than anything is, is that if your answer to this is easy for you to say podcast, man, my answer is yes, easy for me to say, literally. I'm sitting here in front of you as part of like a media career being reinforced with a constant stream of, of, uh, of, of positive reinforcement. It's like a I might as well be in a fucking matrix vat, sucking in nutrients. And that might be true. But it doesn't mean what I said isn't true. And you got to ask yourself, am I saying, look at him, easy for him to say, because that answers the question that he's posing? Or am I doing that instead of really, really asking, because I don't want to know the answer? And that's another question, like the question of what to do, that I can't know. And so I got to do shruggy emoji man. Uh, woo. Oh man, that was, wow. That's over an hour, isn't it? Shit. Uh, well, tomorrow we're going to try to do an office stream. We're going to see if we can get it to work. I'm very excited about it because me and Chris are going to be in the lab, in the beat laboratory soon. It's going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, this will still exist. I will never not doing stream of consciousness madness into your face. But then afterwards, maybe we have some Q&A. Maybe we have a guest. Maybe we play some video games. So, your favorite, your favorite um, uh, jabbering madness will continue until morale improves. Uh, if anybody, uh, it's only been 40 minutes. Oh, I started at five. I lost, I, I usually start at six. And then at the end of that, I looked on, I forgot I started at five today. Never mind. That's why I was kind of like shocked because it didn't feel that long. Now I know why. Whew.
Will I watch the last episode of The Simpsons? Yes. I haven't seen The Simpsons. I haven't seen a new Simpsons episode in years, I think. I generally try to watch The Treehouse of Horror. I honestly think I might be a couple years behind, though. I check Hulu. Uh, or I guess it's FX now. Uh, but I will definitely watch the last one, if I'm alive for it, which is a big if. I mean, I could definitely die before The Simpsons ends for any number of reasons. Yeah, apparently somebody on Twitter said that, uh, that a dude who works teaches in Ivy was stealing my bars to spit at a, at a, at a lady. Uh, that's, I don't know what to think of that, honestly. It does make me imagine a, uh, an alternative world where I was a mystery-style pickup artist, which I think could have been fun. But no, not for me. Not for me, that life. COVID is definitely exacerbating the posting issue. Uh, but we also see how there is like, there's a flip side to that, right? Because people get more into posting, but also the more that they are kept away from like what they used to consider normal, because you know, things are normalizing, but not completely and not evenly. Uh, the longer they feel that way, the more tense they feel and the less computer can like satisfy them. It, it, it exacerbates the personal stress that leads to the explosion. Because like, Everyone's going to have to come to a point where their personal stress and their perception of social stress are over, is larger than the amount of pleasure that they can convince themselves they can get out of posting. Um, and obviously, that's going to be unevenly distributed. And there are going to be people who are going to, the people who are going to be hardest to fucking fight. The ones who are going to hold on the longest are the ones who have basically no personal angst in their life because then they get to play like a game. Because, yes, yes, they care about other people and they put a lot of their heart into it, but it's a very light touch. Like, it's not a religious devotion. It's not, it's not, it doesn't come from a spiritual sense. It's just, it's like, it's utilitarianism, which is what liberalism is. Liberalism is just, look, it's inefficient to misuse all this human capital. Because everyone's not me, they're abstractly good. Why? Because if people are nice to each other, they can cooperate, and cooperation is better for human progress than the alternative. That's really what they believe. And it's like, they don't think that. They think themselves as having deep moral beliefs. But at a level that they aren't even aware of, their liberal conception of the self is such that they have no mooring for their conviction that other people believe equally. Like, that's the heart, that's the true thing that people say about, about liberals, godless liberalism, like the, the, the notion of a secular society. Uh, that is a true uh, uh, indictment. Uh, it doesn't mean anything because that you need that. For, like, we live in a liberal world. We need that as a basis. We can't have a religious secu sectarian in, in, in a world where religion is sectional. We cannot have sec sectarian ethics. It is not sustainable. It has to be secular. It has to be liberal because... That's, everyone is somebody else and we have to negotiate living here. That's the real uh, principle at place. Those people are living with old ideas. Those people are literally in pre-modern notions of, of, uh, of good and evil. 
and, and of humanity. And, and what I deal where like the, if one is not redeemed within one religious tradition, one is one is someone that things can be done to. That is the condition. To be in a pre-modern religion, uh, when we hadn't had the technological development to create a, a, a exchange, to necessitate exchange across enough uh, areas of distrust that we had to put our weapons down to not destroy one another. And you could just take anything you wanted if you were more powerful than the other person. And where your social belief, like the intensity of your social belief, determined in part your, or maybe even in total, I mean, relative to your uh, material conditions, of course, your strength and your ability to, to control things, and therefore your ability to save the world and redeem it against something that is someone that you can do things to. And that's also where you can then offload social tension and pressure by destroying and, and conquering another. Liberalism, when that's not sustainable because we have a global communications and we have a technological level that allows us to destroy one another completely in war, it's not like a, uh, you know, it's not cyclical like old wars, it's cumulative. It's not like the flower wars that might be bloody and horrible but that don't wreck the ability of the people there who live within them to sustain themselves. Modern warfare creates, the, even, even, even early modern warfare is, is far too dangerous to human flourishing to be allowed to go unchecked. And the, and the liberal model allows us to do that. But there's no religious foundation to it. There is no, the, the, there's no connection from one to the other in it. The connection is severed because now we're in a market and we're separate people and we are not connected. And that has to be replaced. And, and it's replaced by our ability to create ourselves through consumption. That's where we build our souls. But at the level of ethics, it really does come down to viewing them as uh, utilitarianism. Because it's the, it is the ideology of capitalism, which means it's the ideology of a profit, uh, a surplus profit or, or extraction. And so therefore, its guiding moral principle, its programming is efficiency, to get the most off the bone. And the process of capitalizing a society and capitalizing a world market is to create an efficient system for extraction. Now, it's not going to be fully efficient because society is like the gunk in the filter, and, it's, and, it, and it reduces the amount you can do, but you work against that. You grind against that, too, to create premium efficiency. And so liberalism, its religious, its religious worship is efficiency, efficiency of exchange between others, because we are all only ourselves. We are not each other. And the end result of that is an ethic that says, um, oh, is an ethic that says, I care about other people, but really at heart, it's because it's most efficient to love them. And when that's, and that can be good. People can act in sincere goodwill out of that desire. Problem is, if it comes under pressure, if it comes under pressure, especially since there's no felt personal discomfort, that their lives are comfortable, that all of their pain associated with the condition is theoretical and felt and imagined in their head and imagine the connection to people who aren't them, then it's fragile and it can come crumbling down, crumbling down, crumbling, crumbling down, if uh, the only thing being served is the self because you can deci decide that, well, you know, oh well. Or you could say, you know what, posting is doing the work, even though you never see it rewarded. Or, you know what, those guys don't actually deserve it. And these ones don't too. And, oh, yeah, you know what, and by the way, none of it's ever going to happen anyway. We'll never have socialism. We just need to punish people right now for the crimes they've committed. 
That's the only justice we're going to have is like, as the ship's going down, you're like shooting the captain for running into the iceberg. That's our only justice is vengeance, with just nihilistic vengeance. And we can just post, 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 or, uh, you know, ref refuse to step down no matter what happens. On the other end, you have people who feel intense personal angst and pressure and pain, whose family conditions are very, very bad. Now, there's fewer of them because people like that generally don't have the ability or time to post as much, so they can't even get anything out of it. But the ones who are, their distress can cause them to privilege their, the, the relief of their own suffering. And there's no way you can blame them for that because it's their suffering and everyone else's is imaginary. The way that you coordinate a class awakening into itself is bringing those ideas together across the chasm, bringing, bringing together a felt sense of the right and of good to a social sense of the right and the good that are in alignment and that flow across one another because over time that will make suffering not your own and, and the suffering of others will replace that because you're suffering less, because your personal suffering has been, re uh, been relieved to an extent, because you're not fighting your conditions. And it's like, that sucks because it's asking people to, to sacrifice the way other people don't have to, and that's unfair, but sadly, that's also unavoidable. What we need, the idea is that there are enough people in the middle there are enough people who suffer a good deal but still have a social connection because they have a spirituality and enough people who don't have much spirituality because it's been eroded away by pleasure but do have a social sense and connect them. That's the only future. That's the only engine. And basically what I just described, those two sectors of people, the top sector, I'm mostly describing the dreaded PMC who make up pretty much everybody arguing on Twitter in some way or another, including people who hate them, including people who fight them all day. They're on the top half of that distribution of pain. The bottom half are disengaged from politics for the most part. And the ones who aren't are often oriented along reactionary uh, uh, mindsets because they are filled with justified anger at the way that their life is going. And, right, and, and historically what happens is, is that you have enough, you essentially have enough of an elite overproduction. Like 1848 is a good example of this. The, 18, the 1848 uh, uh, rebellions were, were kicked off because you had an elite overproduction of, of college graduates who were just hanging around these cities and just getting antsy because they weren't getting, the they weren't, their lives weren't what they wanted them to be. But they were not the misery of the lives of you know, the, the spinners and the weavers and the early proletarians or, or as backbreaking and isolated as the work, as lay, working in the peasant uh, uh, in peasant agriculture, and the land, and they had enough time to sit around and and talk between themselves and to other people, including those workers, about what was going on, and they formulated an understanding of what was actually happening, and they communicated across this narrow social chasm. Because remember, this is pre pre modern. I mean, this is pre capitalism. Really, it's still like. It's capitalism, but it's embedded still within feudalism. Feudalism has not been annihilated by any stretch yet. Its remnants are still the structure of the thing is embedded in it, meaning there's a, there's a social basis for interaction that is that has still not been dissolved by the market completely. And that means that crossing that chasm is easier. There's less mistrust. There's more social commingling. We're in a situation now where that 
the conveyor belt between those two classes has been broken. And I don't know how to mend it. This is where we're at the quantum point. Like, if the fan belt is busted and it's snapped and you can't get another one, you just got to glue that motherfucker. Like, everybody has to just close their eyes and turn into a glue and just grab that motherfucker in an act of faith and then just hope it holds until you can kickstart the fucking motor. I know that sounds like a bunch of mystical hogwash, and it probably is, and it's not really worth thinking about from day to day, and I'll, I'll probably not talk about it more in the future. But um, it's how I think of the question in front of us. It's, it's like when I talk about it, I try not to get that woo-woo about it. But this is, the, this is the shape of the question, how to repair that belt. Oh man, I don't know if we'll do another Call of Cthulhu for a while. The, the Call of Cthulhu games are a lot of work. And I think uh, Virgil is, uh, is he's operating at a very high and intense frequency right now. I don't, he's, got a little on his, he's got a lot on his plate creatively. But I would, it might happen. There's just nothing planned. Oh, I've never tried to pick anyone up. Someone asked what some pick-up lines. I've never tried to pick anyone up. Seems like an incredibly awkward moment. With soup praxis. Oh, yes, certainly. Eating it is, anyway. If you get a nice stone soup going, you know, everybody brings one ingredient, and boom, you have a stew. Someone's, people are really mad at this mug. I think we got it at Target. It was just, I, it's a nice design. I guess this is kind of like, for some people, this is basically the Confederate flag, and that's a strong argument. It's not, I'm not trying to make a message. This is not a spacey message. I'm not trying to indicate that I'm like, I'm, a, I'm an MI6 agent. Uh, asset. I'm here from the. I'm I'm here on the mission of the Queen to sow disinformation uh, on American airwaves uh, to defend uh, to protect the Queen against accusations of uh, Epstein-related crimes. We did a reading series uh, today. Someone asked what happened to reading series. Uh, I guess there just haven't been a lot. It's, the, the takes during a presidential election are generally pretty repetitive and, and boring. You've got to have sort of a slack political environment for people to start just riffing. So it, you generally have less during a political, uh, I think, during the, during the meat of a political, especially this one since it's, such, it's Trump again and it's a lot of the same stuff. It's a lot of the same exact arguments and ide anxieties. But we have one today, and I think it's pretty good. It's, uh, it's Maddie G, or Maddie Y, Maddie YG, Maddie Iglesias. Man, uh, the man is, uh, 
His heart pump Kool-Aid, as they say. For you are neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, and I should spew you out of my mouth. He is, he is Nietzsche's last man. I don't know what the Belden program is. Uh, Brace has not shared it with me yet, but I wholeheartedly endorse it. I'm not kidding. If, uh, if Brace is serious about running for president of the left, uh, I have, he has my full support. Uh, I, will, I would absolutely, happily be Trotsky to his Lenin. Uh, or uh, maybe I could be uh, Stalin. We'll see how it goes. But I think maybe Liz is Stalin, honestly. Uh, but yes, no, he's. I have never seen a. I've never seen a brace take on politics that I disagreed with. Like his, he 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 gets the terms. He gets the problems. He gets the set of issues. He understands the bad actors. He understands the pathologies. He knows where the material intersects with the cultural. He knows which way the flow goes. If he wants to tell everyone what to do, I would help him. And in fact, I wouldn't even have to help him. I would just happily live under his reign or, and help move towards the upholding of Belden thought. Yeah, Liz is Stalin. I'm Trotsky, yeah. And Lenin is, uh, no. Brace is my boy. He's VI Lenin all over the place. I don't know when we're going to do the George W. Bush episode. It, it, might, it might be a bit. There, you got to get war, warned that we often will say we should do an episode and then it ends up not getting done because you kind of need to have like a hole in your calendar to fill to, to go to the back catalog and sometimes you go a while without having one. But I think maybe in the next month or two. Anyone that it requires any kind of work is always harder. But I think now that Felix has read uh, Fortunate Son, I think it was, or Family of Secrets, I think we'll, uh, I think we'll get it done pretty soon. We're also going to, me and Will and Felix are also going to do the Richard Jewell movie episode, which I'm looking forward to because I think that movie, I thought that movie was a genius when I saw it. And since I've been thinking in the years since, it's only more on point. I don't think Felix finished the Knausgaard, guys. I know he left one Knausgaard book on a, like a public transit in Europe or something. But I don't think he finished it. I think he really appreciated the idea of it, and then he didn't need to read it, if you know what I mean. I said the year since, dickhead. Someone's saying the year since. I saw it said, year since. If you heard years... That's a YP, not an MP. Oh, I lost my religion there for a second, but why oh, these trolls are just so churlish. Why must you insist on being so disagreeable on such a fine day? It is a fine September day indeed, and I do not see the need for being quite so argumentative in the comment section, but I understand it is my responsibility to rise above the fray and provide a bit of uh, elegance and and maturity, frankly. So I, I bid you your day, sir.
people keep talking about a realignment. I don't want to think it, I, this is going to, uh, maybe I shouldn't say it, honestly. I don't want to get in trouble, but let me just say this. I don't want to elaborate, but it feels like if people say that there's going to be, there might be, if Biden wins especially, a, uh, a realignment politically, uh, I mean, the last couple of polls have shown that Biden's lead among Hispanics and, uh, and blacks is reducing, going below historic norms for the party, which, of course, makes people incredulous because the one thing they've been attacking Trump on for his entire candidacy has been how racist he is. That's been the number one issue for liberals, the people who dominate the discourse and, this, and uh, have the, the farthest tendril extension into the minds of the popular potential voting base in this country. Uh, but if Biden wins, it will be because, if these trends are real, and who knows, but it has been a few polls, it's not just one. Uh, if he wins this way, it'll be because a big chunk of suburban, affluent whites go Democrat, which is what they're pitching their whole campaign around. That has been the entire point, is to do that. That dynamic, under the pressure of a, of a fucking depression presidency that he's going to respond with fucking means-tested uh, uh, horse piss, that's going to be, that pressure is going to be exacerbated. And if Q, if the pressure of living in, in, in like under a Democrat with this kind of social conditions exacerbates even, not even evenly, but just somewhat near a, 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 a equilibrium of distribution between Democratic voters and Republican voters, you could see Q swell just in time to like break off from the barnacle-like uh, holding restraints of the Democratic or of the Republican Party machinery and connect blob-like to the alienated uh, uh, Democratic working class base and then coming together, leaving the two shards of, of ruling class and, and like upper middle class, comprador class, whatever you want to call it, uh, 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 separate. That's the dream. I don't think that will happen. I don't think that there's any reason or way, honestly, to act like that's going to happen. And what I'm saying, like, right now, the premise has to be action. So that means if it's not actionable, it's sort of just forget about it. It's interesting to think about, but it shouldn't drive your thinking. I don't think we're there yet. But if it does happen, I think that's the only way it happens. Is if, like, RFK, RFK Jr. is the synthesis character. Like, if RFK Jr., I know Sean McCarthy said this uh, on Twitter, and I think that is dead on. If this were to happen, RFK Jr. would be the Napoleon. The, Napoleon III, of course. Uh, who like brings together this like disaggregated alienation and becomes the figurehead representation of it. Uh, but I think as you hear me describe this, that doesn't seem terribly plausible. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. We've seen a lot of implausible things happen recently. But I think those are the conditions that as you work through your life on other things, look out for it and see if that comes, becomes more or less likely over time because it'll be interesting to see. I think it's a whole different ball game if Trump wins, though. If Trump wins, you could see Q become like a hardened, almost paramilitary extension of uh, the Re Republican Party and like the greater uh, like white uh, 
like white lumpen bourgeois that they represent. And like small producers at the top, like not the high levels of capital, but like local levels. The, the, the modern equivalents of the guys who made up the early, uh, uh, ta- the people who picked Taft in 52 and got, and got, uh, and had the nomination stolen by the Eastern bankers in Eisenhower. Uh, and then, then they become like the ones that, then they become, I would think you'd see more organized violence from Q because they would feel they would have the imperature of state because the state would turn to them to help, help their power be consolidated in a moment of prolonged crisis. Cause we're, ta- if we're talking Trump second term. We're talking siren crisis at every moment, an intensification, a cranking, an upward cranking only, no downward cranking. Biden, we might see some slack in the line for a little bit. Trump stays in because that's his thing is is, is antagonizing the contradictions. He's banging the dinner bell every single day, so it can only get worse. And that means there'll be more dissatisfaction, more discontent, more violence, and then that violence will be organized along who's in power. Now, the question then becomes, will the left in that situation be constrained by the Democratic Party or finally provide, become like the guiding force of a movement, a larger working class movement, to shatter and destroy the Democratic Party? And replace it. And send its, its, its ruling elite scattering back to the, Demo- to the re- scattering to the Republicans or more likely to the private sec- uh, sector. And then the, those, those uh, connections to global finance being shifted, of course, over to the conservatives, to the Republicans, to MAGA. And that's the apocalyptic confrontation. And that seems more likely in the Trump version of this. Of course, all of this is assuming that conditions don't change. Like a vaccine could radically shit change things or not. Like there are market, there are inconceivable market bubbles that could pop and bubble and plorp. There's events, there's fucking, there's too many butterflies flapping, too many wings to say definitively one way or the other. I'm just sort of gaming it out in my head uh, and just once again emphasizing that 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 level of abstraction, you really don't have to concern yourself when you're asking the question, what did I do today with myself? You can talk about, you can think about it and talk about it as a recreation when you're done doing what you think you needed to do that day. But you got to do that first. And that doesn't really connect to that. That's still mostly a question, an argument you have just to have an argument, which is what I said is the driving force for all this stuff that we turn into real meaningful points of discussion and, and difference and separation. It's very funny. So Trump's clearly going to lie about the vaccine thing, but they're not going to get a vaccine. Like, what's he going to do? Is he going to do like some pilot program, like a photo op with somebody getting a saline vaccine, in in, in uh, like in in, uh, in like Dallas somewhere, like that that uh, the voodoo like the the demon seed lady is is injecting some guy with a like a hydrochloroquine vaccinated cocktail that's actually Diet Fanta. That would be diabolical. Because there's no way they would actually be able to get it out to people to actually have in time. And honestly, I feel like Trump at this point, who's going to buy that? Who's going to go, who's going to be on the fence, I guess? This is my question. Who is going to be on the fence in late October? Who's going to hear Trump saying, there's going to be a vaccine, and go, well... 
I think he might have a vaccine. I'm not sure, but I think he will. And then voting for him because, oh, we might have a vaccine. If at that point, if you've, if, if by late October, you've probably decided Trump is full of shit, even if you are still thinking you might vote for him because he's less full of shit than the Democrats, which, hey, when you have Biden as your opponent, when you have Nancy Pelosi, when you have Nancy Pelosi going, getting fucking Lucille Bluthed, getting caught going to a salon indoors so she can get her fucking hair done for $500, and then she says, I'm sorry I got set up by those bitch-ass motherfuckers at the salon. Come on. It's, it's plausible. But you still don't believe him. You don't think he's got a fucking vaccine? Come on. And so it's not going to be why you pick, is what I'm saying. So no one's going to pick on that. But they don't know that. They're just bitting every button they can. Carnival Barker style. Trying to get the last money out of the rubes before they fucking realize that the, uh, that the spinning wheel is rigged. I will end with this. Uh, I said something that seemed might maybe might have feel kind of spiritual, blah blah blah, about how everyone it's going to come down to whether enough people do a thing. Well, it ends with them like snapping too, but the first step is an action. It's action always comes first, because the unmoved moving action is the one that is induced by you convincing yourself of something, of you having enough faith to move forward. And that comes before. But that's not real. It can't be analyzed. It's gossamer. So the action has to come first, always. So enough people are going to act enough to start the snowballing effect. Or they're not. I'm not saying the process will stop. It'll just, there won't be enough in time as, conditions of, as the conditions of social deterioration uh, render impossible any unity. And I don't think that's going to happen, guys. I really don't. I'm not going to get into why now, but I really, I really don't think so. So I think that we all owe it to ourselves to push, to push forward in any way we can. Bye, guys.